So this is the teaching series, The House of God, um, which obviously we, we timed to begin the series as we moved into our new home. For those that are visiting, we're like week three or so into being in our new building. So welcome to our new house. This is King's House. And the teaching series is, is in part trying to cast a vision for what we want to see happen in this house, in our new home. But way more than just what we want to see happen in a building, this is what we want to see embodied in a people. The house of God is a metaphor throughout the New Testament for the people of God, the family of God, the church of Jesus Christ. So I don't want you to hear this as just a vision for a building. This is a vision for us as a people. And here's the four things that we are contending for, for this home and for our church family, for it to be a house of prayer and presence. A couple of weeks ago, we kind of unpacked that, that we want to be a people marked out by the presence of God. So we want to have rhythms of prayer and worship flowing through this building night and day. But more than that, rhythms, rhythms of prayer and worship fueling our own walks with Jesus. So a house of prayer and presence, a house of hospitality and healing. We want this place to be marked out by radical hospitality. But we're going to accomplish that if our lives are marked out by radical hospitality. That more than just open homes, we have open hearts. That we don't just create community of those that look like us with our political preferences and dot, dot, dot. We want to invite people who aren't like us, who are different because the kingdom of God looks like that. As we're united in Jesus Christ, there can be remarkable diversity. And that's what we want for our family, but also for this home. A place of healing where people, as they encounter Jesus Christ in us and by his spirit, they journey towards a greater measure of mental health and physical health and emotional health. Thirdly, a house of mercy and justice. We want to be marked out as a compassionate people. We're going to be unpacking that next week. And today, a house of innovation and renewal. We want to be marked out by kingdom creativity. Now, let me just start with why. Like, why is this so front and center for us as a church community? I know, um, at least in some of the churches I grew up in, creativity was like a billy bonus. If we had a bit of time or some creative folk, we might do something creative. Um, but at KXC, we want to say, no, this is front and center of who we are as the people of God. And the reason it's front and center is because this is our creation mandate. This is what we were called to in the very beginning. So God creates Adam and Eve in his image and likeness likeness and then verse 28 he blessed them and said to them be fruitful and increase in number fill the earth and subdue it rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground what does it mean to subdue and to rule over biblically speaking that is about stewarding creation it's about ordering chaos we quite like KX, a chaos at KXC, as you, you would have seen earlier in the service. Um, but the creative task is to bring order to that. Like as you look around our cities, you look around the world, there is so much chaos and there is so much darkness, right? But we believe in a God who spoke, let there be light and light broke in. And we believe in a spirit that hovered over the chaos, the waters and brought incredible kingdom order. And we're made in his image and likeness. The Spirit of God is, is working within us. This is our calling to steward creation, to bring order, to bring beauty. So it's our creation mandate. 
Andy Crouch, in his brilliant book, um, Culture Making, says, look, if you look through church history, there's kind of five ways the church has often engaged in culture. Sometimes we've just stood at a distance and condemned it. And there is a place for that. This is what the church is doing right now when it comes to what is happening in the Ukraine. We're, we're condemning the evil that is at work right now. There is a place just to condemn what is happening in the surrounding culture, the evil at work. There's a moment to critique it. And sometimes we spend our time critiquing what's happening in the surrounding culture. There is a moment, and to be honest, we've done this in the church perhaps too much. We just copied the culture that surrounds us. And the church begins to look quite a lot like the culture around us. And honestly, on our worst days, we've just consumed secular culture. And it's shaped the church away from the people we're called to be and more into the image of the culture around us. But Andy Crouch's conclusion is, is that the way you transform culture, ultimately, there's a place for some of these, these different approaches, but the way you transform culture is you create it. And, and you recognize that we're made in the image and likeness of a creator. And we want to create culture that glorifies God and looks and smells like his kingdom amongst us. Amen? So what is culture? Very briefly before I'm going to interview. Some of you are thinking, why did he even put some chairs out? Is this just going to be like 30 minutes of Pete? No, it's going to be 25 minutes of me and then I'm going to interview. That's obviously a joke. Um, so what is culture? It's taking the raw materials around us and using them to express meaning and enable human flourishing. When we talk about culture, that's what we really mean. But if you track through history, we've used the term in different ways throughout history. So before the Enlightenment, when we spoke about culture, we really meant making something of the ground and the natural world. So we would talk about horticulture and agriculture. Any king gardeners in, in the place? I think at least three. No one has gardens in London. That, that's probably why there isn't a real passion for gardening. Um, but before the Enlightenment, that's how we spoke of culture. But then the Enlightenment elevated the mind to the center of everything. Cogito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am. That's what it means to be human. So when we spoke of culture, we really meant making something of the human mind. A cultured individual was someone that was very well educated. When I grew up, mum and dad would every so often say, he or she, very cultured. They love the opera, very cultured. They read Lots, very cultured individual, right? That, that's the enlightenment mindset, someone who's particularly well educated. Now, post the enlightenment, postmodernism, when we talk about culture, we often mean making something of the human experience. So shared beliefs and values and conventions and practice of a subgroup of society. So we talk about hipster culture or crime culture or, or the list goes on. All these different subcultures that look different and operate slightly different. Right. So when we talk in the church about culture, what do we mean? And this is what I think we mean when we talk about culture, rearranging raw materials to lead to human flourishing in the kingdom of God. I know in the church, everyone talks about the common good. Um, I like the language to a point, but everyone has a vision of what is good. And what we care about is a biblical vision of what is good. So we want to rearrange raw materials. We want to order the, the, the chaos um, in line with the values and the principles of the kingdom of God. That's what creativity looks like. And finally from me then, how? Very briefly, I want to walk you through a story, a redemptive story, where creative life breaks out for the people of Israel. And it begins with Moses at the burning bush. This is an encounter with God that begins this redemptive journey. And he's asked three questions. He's confronted with these three questions. Number one, where do you stand? 
God says, take off your sandals. The place where you are standing is holy ground. It's holy because the Lord is here. But in this encounter, Moses is confronted with his own brokenness and the fact that he spent 40 years hiding from Pharaoh in the wilderness, thinking his whole life has been a waste. And in this moment of encounter, God says, I'm not done with you yet. I'm going to transform your brokenness. You personally are going to go on a redemptive journey. And from you, redemption is going to flow to an entire nation and through that nation to the ends of the earth. Don't run from your brokenness. Don't run from your brokenness. Creativity can flow from that place of brokenness. So number one, own your disappointments. There is a connection between pain and creativity, right? Chaos and creativity. When we bring our internal chaos to God, what does he do? He orders it. He brings healing and restoration and redemption. And when he does that in us, he does it through us and creative life breaks out. If you're in a moment like that right now, don't numb the pain and don't run from it. Welcome the Holy Spirit and see what he does. Number two, where is your land? God basically casts a vision. There's a land marked out for you, a land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, listen to your desires. Sometimes in the church, we have this mindset of if I engage with my desires, um, that's not going to be helpful because my desires are pretty distorted. And some of my desires, and I know a lot of Steve's desires, he's my brother, are very distorted, right? So we, we know that to be true. But at the same time, we know that actually God places his desires in our heart. I've hidden my word in your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Often when we stop and engage, what does the Lord put within us? We realize some of the things we're desiring, God's put there. And that's part of our calling and our destiny. Listen to your desires. Thirdly then, what is in your hand? And for Moses, it was a staff, the tool of the trade for a shepherd. And God says, put it on the floor and it becomes a snake. And, and really the principle here is surrender what's in your hand. And as you look at the story that flows from that moment, the key moments in that redemptive story, Moses raising the staff over the Red Sea and the waters part. Moses whacking a rock and water begins to flow. You see, when you surrender what's in your hand, God will multiply what's in your hand and bring about redemption. So thirdly, surrender your gifts. Like, don't sort of like, oh, I don't have anything to offer. Everyone has something to offer. You're made in the image and likeness of God. What are your gifts? Surrender them to the kingdom of God and creativity will flow. Nick, come and join me. Why don't you give a round of applause for, for Nick? And, and before, yeah, come, come right close. Come right close. There we go. And before I interview Nick, let, let me just um, embarrass Nick. So Nick and Gav and Phil oversee our co-working community called ARC. Nick also oversees our ventures at KXC. Uh, but many in the room, many watching online, you won't know that we run a co-working space because we want to serve the small business community of, of King's Cross. Um, and the co-working space over the last six years has totally flourished. Here's some stats. I know you're going to hate this, but let me just go with it. Um, over the last six years, had over two 250 members 
That's representing 250 journeys of, of entrepreneurs and freelancers and, and creatives embarking on this journey of, of trying to release creativity. 200 plus organizations using our meeting rooms. And part of the vision is we give um, some of the income towards projects serving the vulnerable in King's Cross. We've given over 36,000 pounds to local charities and projects. So the people that work in our co-working space, we basically say, because you've chosen this, um, instead of we work or second home, which would have cost you way more, by the way, we don't say that. Um, because you've chosen to work here, you are funding things in the community serving the marginalized and the vulnerable. Incredible thought. Um, 22 Spark social enterprises supported. So together with KXC, we've basically said, here's a pot of money. If you've got an entrepreneurial dream, we want to invest by giving you free co-working space and some mentoring to help you give that creative idea a shot. 22 Spark um, enterprises we've been able to support. You can see the picture of Nick, Gav, and Phil. Over the last six years, turnover of 1.3 million pounds. These guys have won multiple awards. They're a B Corp certified um, organization. They recently won the B Corp award of best for the world 2021. This is the stuff that these guys would never say. Um, so I'm going to say it for them. These guys have done the most unbelievable job creating not just a co-working space. <clears throat> not just a co-working space, but a community where people have found friendship, belonging, and where some of their creative ideas have literally come alive. So, mate, well done. Proud of you. You've done the most incredible job. Okay, so why don't you tell us, like, just briefly, the story of ARC and, and the journey? This, yeah, great. Um, yeah, so, like, for ARC, I guess our vision is to establish creative working communities with churches. So we look to serve the church, engage in mission, and operate sustainably through, like, income generation. Thanks, Pete. So this is uh, six years ago. This was um, KX House. So this is our kind of old wineskin we used to be in. So this is what it looked like at the very start. Um, so classic KXC, really beautiful building we chose, the, you know. Um, so it needed a lot of work. Um, it was riddled with asbestos. That was the first task, get rid of the asbestos. That was Gav's job. And then um, <laughs> he's not here today. Um, he is here, sorry, that's a bad joke. Um, um, the, then we evolved. <laughs> Yeah, we'll cut, we'll cut that from oh, the live yeah. stream. Yeah, it's, it's been recorded. Great. <laughs> um, then um, one of the images of Ark. I mean, part of the reason why we call it Ark is is not the building; it's actually the people. Yeah. And this beautiful image of like the Ark of the Covenant being built um, in the Exodus narrative talks about um, these two craftsmen that are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they invite the the people of Israel to bring their gifts and their talents to sort of steward and create this uh, this the Ark of the Covenant. And so KXC very early on was very much part of that journey, bringing their gifts, um, a lot of hard work to kind of beautify this old building. So here's like some of the hubs that were involved creating this space, but it also became a really lovely image. Oh yeah, here's more images of us just building a community out over time. Um, it's also an image though of people bringing their gifts and their talents in, in a work capacity to kind of be collaborative, work together. Um, I like to almost point out the um, top, top left, um, the second photo in is our first co-worker. It always, you know, the first person always has to turn up, don't they, to sort of start co-working. And this is Ben Bowen, um, some trestles and some, some wood. And that's how ARC started, this really beautiful sort of moment um, of the space being beautified and, and turned into a really beautiful building. 
Um, and a lot of that credit is really down to Phil and, and Gav in particular, who have that really creative edge to them. And then after that, about a year, we saw this really beautiful kind of co-working community flourish. So here's some pictures of us, you know, having barbecues and having drinks. Um, and uh, yeah, as I say, it's been a really amazing journey just seeing, um, yeah, seeing this kind of community sort of uh, establish. And, and now this is sort of, this, this journey is repeating a little bit up at St. Saviour's. For those who are at St. Saviour's, the site up in North London. Finsby Park. Finsby Park with Matt and Anna Seymour. Um, that journey is also starting there. So this is the picture of the hall in the back of the church. So some of you might have seen it in the garden after church on Sunday. Um, and w when the church was uh, being re relaunched, this was how the building looked like on the left-hand side. This this garden space, completely overgrown, a bit of a secret garden, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, the hall hadn't been used for like 30, 40 years. Yeah, I mean, the vision for that hall essentially was storage. Let's just put our things in there. And, and again, it was full of asbestos and needed a lot of love to it. And it's still um, very much a, a work in progress. But we set up a gallery space and a uh, coffee bar just to sort of meet the local community and, and sort of establish that seed for makers and artists, uh, inviting local and unrepresented artists to kind of show their artwork there. Amazing. And, and then sort of beyond ARC, which, you know, creativity always has a domino effect, that creatives inspire more creativity and, and, and the, the dominoes begin to fall. Talk about Ventures then. What is Ventures at KXC? How does it operate? Yeah, well, anytime we see kind of an act of pioneering always follows a move of the spirit. So when we look at like the Axe Church, we see this amazing moment in the early part of Axe where... Um, as the church is growing, you see like the church's first venture. You see Stephen and the, the seven appointed, and they kind of start the church's f first food program. And it's a really amazing moment where you sort of see like this the church being creative, seeing the needs around them, and responding um, to them. And so I guess like you know that's not just the, an act that's continued throughout the, church, the the life of the church. And and I take a lot of inspiration from the kind of the post Wesleyan revival moment. So a revival happened in the 1800s. You saw this complete you know. Uh, you know, remarkable like impacts of social and marketplace renewal that went on, um, and we see the Quaker movements. You see Clark's Boots, um, Barclays, uh, Amnesty International, Greenpeace. All these amazing organisations kind of got birthed out this 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 time where post revival um, moves the spirit followed um, um, acts of pioneering. And one example, just to kind of give, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, was I love the story of of, um, of Barclays. I actually brought an example just because I was like, anyone who's not seen, not Barclays, that's the wrong story. <laughs> my credit Barclays card. It's a great story. Credit card, everyone. Um, <laughs> no, um, it was Dairy Milk. There we go. It was Cadbury's. There we go. <laughs> I thought I'd get a prop out because th when I downloaded, sort of tracked out the sweets. Do you remember that? Yeah. I thought I might repeat that later, but we'll, we'll wait yeah. for that. But basically, anyway, uh, um, Cadbury's, Cadbury's rather than Barclays, he. Um, yeah, I mean, back in the 1800s, there was, like, huge, like, social unrest, um, you know, addiction to alcohol. Um, alcohol was, you know, easy to access. Gin, sailors coming off the ships, like, just, you know, drunkenness, essentially. And Cabris was just really moved by that. And he said, well, what if I create a healthier alternative? So he took some cocoa and put it into some water and made hot chocolate. And that was the start, then, of, you know, the, the dairy milk that we know today, the kind of chocolate bars that came about, a healthier alternative. <laughs> Healthier, relatively. But so if anyone does want to, you know, that's not me promoting chocolate, but it is healthier compared to like, the alternative. Um, and, <laughs> and anyway, so um, what happened though, wasn't it, it, just, it didn't just stop at chocolate bar. Yeah. Um, the village of Bourneville kind of, kind of was established by Cadbury's. So it didn't stop at just uh, making a great product that sort of spoke to their values. It kind of overflowed into workers' rights, the first pension schemes, RSPCA was established through them. Um, 
you know, all this leisure and all these public facilities were kind of born you know, out of these, the factories run by Cadbury's. And it's this, like, again, lovely image of the yeast of the heaven sort of permeating the whole dough. And people don't just stop at the products and service, but the way you go about it, how you redeem all society. Um, so, yeah, it's just a really lovely image, I think, like I like to kind of think about in terms of how we want to envisage life here at KXC. Um, I was going to share about, I mean, one particular sort of image I have is around uh, the parable of the good soil. Um, and in this parable, you see the, goat, the good sower, he goes out and he's sowing the seed. Um, the seed is the, the good news of the, heaven, of the kingdom, kingdom of heaven. And so some of that seed falls on the pathway and the birds come and they take that seed away. Um, more seed is sown and it falls on rocky places where there's some shallow soil. And suddenly the, you know, the seeds grow quick, but then when the first test comes, when the sun comes out, those seeds wither. They have no, no time to set roots. More seed is sown and it falls and it uh, falls in the soil, but this time the weeds come and it drowns out. And the lastly, the, the soil that uh, the seed that fall, falls on the good soil leads to a crop that's like a hundred times what's sown. And to us, that's just like a really beautiful image of what we'd love to see here at KXC. Um, you know, these seeds, they, these good ideas that are being sown, because God, God is sowing ideas right now. He's sowing into people in this community these really creative, redemptive ideas. We don't want to see those ideas being snatched away by self-doubt, by the birds coming and taking those seeds. We don't want to see um, anxiety and worries, like strangling these ideas, the weeds that come out. We don't want to see um, ideas that aren't rooted in like community and have roots that others we put down. We want to see a good soil, and, and the good soil of KXC is one where we see a crop that exceeds what's sown. Um, and lastly, I think one part of that, that one part of that is um, connecting to like the, the needs that we see in our area. The start of any pioneering journey is um, it's either a, a response to a problem that you to solve a problem, yeah. it's either healing a hurt or it's uh, fulfilling a need. And in King's House, what we've got really downstairs is this you know, flurry of like social activity going on downstairs. It's 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 good soil. Yeah. We're 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 seeing good soil downstairs from which new life can come about. And so really excited about you know all the things that choices and. Um, I'm going to forget everyone now. Growing Hope, um, in a, oh, sorry, that's really bad. The Debt Clinic, Crux, et cetera. These are really amazing stories of like the good soil from which we can connect with these problems, these needs, these hurts, yeah. to have redemptive ideas. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, that's a really good reminder for all of us, the role that we all get to play. You know, so it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a community to really serve a social enterprise. Through our prayers, our encouragement, our friendship, that can be transformative in the journey of a, of a startup. Uh, so can we invite Elsa? Do you want to come up and Robin Ferris? That's the two extra chairs. Um, why don't we give these guys a round of applause? So across our three services today, we're inviting two different entrepreneurs just to share some of their journey. So six across the day, and that's six of many we could be interviewing. Um, yeah. Yeah, so these guys on stage, not necessarily because of what they've done, but just because we want to celebrate the, the, the courage that they've had to sort of start these ideas. So they're here because we're celebrating their courage. Um, um, so we're going to start with you, Elsa, that's all right. Um, I'd love just to hear a bit about your, your idea and like maybe the problem that you're, you're solving redemptively. Yeah, so um, I'm Elsa. I work in fashion at the moment. Um, and last year, I kind of founded or started my own fashion label um, called Capsule. And Capsule is basically a sustainable and ethical fashion brand um, that's inspired by a capsule wardrobe so like this idea that you would have like a set amount of clothes in your wardrobe that you use 
um, season after season, and it's like a more mindful approach um, to dressing. And we're in the really early stages, so we're still creating our first dress, which we're hoping to launch in the summer. And the idea is that we're going to release limited edition runs of sustainable and ethical clothing. Um, and we're partnering with like an Indian manufacturer who um, draw on green energy and they pay their workers a living wage and um, they weave like all their fabrics on site. Um, and yeah, we're just kind of like promoting a slower um, approach to shopping. And um, in terms of like the problem we're trying to solve, I think it's so hard to say in like one sentence in fashion, what there is to solve. There's so much, um, like in terms of like the human side and the environmental side. And um, I always think, I feel like my friends and family are probably so sick of hearing this, but I always think about um, like last summer, I read an article in Eco Age and it said that um, one in six people are employed in fashion globally. Um, and out of that, only 2% are paid the living wage. and. I always think about that, like, I work in fashion and um, I never see that 98%. Like, I never see the people that aren't paid the living wage. And so much happens behind, like, closed doors that we don't know about, but we buy into every time we buy a piece of clothing. And um, there's that side. And then there's also, like, we're over-consuming and over-producing and it's bad for the environment. And um, I think capsule isn't going to solve that whole issue, but it's like chipping away at it, hopefully. That's amazing. And it's, you know, you've had so much courage as you stepped out, seeing a problem, having an idea, and taking those first steps. Can you just share a little bit more about what those first steps have looked like for you? Um, maybe in particular, like highs or lows that you've had to, as you kind of wore that out. How have you walked out that pioneering journey, journey so far? Yeah, I think um, it kind of like what Pete was saying, I think it like Capsule has come from a real place of like frustration. I've been in the fashion industry for a while and like it has definitely been a journey of like dying to self with it. I think like um, even like I remember like a couple of like four years ago literally like sobbing in the Ethiopian church because to my brother and being like I just can't I can't do it like I can't be in this industry. I was like ugly crying um, and I just think like it's been a process of it's I love fashion I love the industry I feel very called to the industry but it isn't necessarily one that has loved me very well and um I think in terms of like the steps it has been like letting go of what I think it should be and how like my dreams for it and really getting to a place of like surrender of God almost like giving me back my dreams better than I ever had them and being like okay like you've tried now let me show you what I'm gonna do and then it's in like practically speaking it it just started with like dreaming with God I guess and like talking to people that I love about it and um and just like dreaming for a while and then and then writing a business plan and yeah. There's lots of like individually small stops, less steps, sorry, and obviously you don't know the outcome necessarily, but it's like one small faith step at a time, which is amazing. Um, just to ask about the creativity, I mean, obviously Pete talked a bit about you know creativity and Moses at the burning bush. Just how 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 do you nurture that, or how what advice would you give someone here who's maybe got an idea or looking to like sees a problem but 
needs a kind of like a way to kind of like creatively explore so a solution to that. Yeah, what would you what would you say? Um, I think like there's a few things, but I think one thing I've really learned and like been really challenged by, especially with capsule, is that I think you have to slow down. And I capsule came about because I was on furlough and. I was kind of forced into a place of like, there was nothing I could do. Like I couldn't be productive, I couldn't carry on going. And actually like, I think God works the best often in the quiet and in the moments of like rest and solitude and contemplation. And I think in London, we don't do that enough. We just go a hundred miles an hour. And I think, yeah, like if you want to dream creatively I think you have to learn like the art of contemplation a bit and like just slow down and ask God like what does it look like to say like your kingdom come and um yeah I would say that and then also I just think just start like we often wait for like a spark of creativity but actually like most of the really creative people I know are also the most disciplined and they get up in the morning and they just start. And I think creativity begets creativity. You just have to like start somewhere with something. Amazing, amazing. Robin, over to you then, the story of Banquet. I, I remember having breakfast with you a number of years ago. Before all this began, Robin's background is in the music industry. You'd been serving with your hub, doing some stuff around food, poverty, and then pre-lockdown, maybe a year before, this kind of creative idea, and then it's exploded. Just share, what is Banquet? Well, you've just shared it, it's brilliant. <laughs> it's that. Hi, my name it's is Robin. It's <laughs> one of my best lines already. <laughs> my name is Robin, I'm the founder and CEO of Banquet. We would describe Banquet as the UK's first digital zero waste food donation platform. So the problem we're trying to tackle is food poverty and hunger in the UK. So we are a company, but we'd say our vision is of a UK where no one goes hungry. And specifically with what we're innovating around, we would say our mission is to get food banks what they need, when they need it, and to make it easier uh, for donors to give. So it's been an interesting time since, uh, yeah, Pete and I met three years ago, something like that. So the, uh, at the time, I was co-leading a hub in Hackney, and live near Victoria Park, which is amazing during the lockdowns. And it was really a moment as a hub. We were sort of saying, you know, it's a, a village hub, so we'd meet every week, we'd have a Bible study, we'd pray, we'd have dinner together. But we we're really saying, like, God, what do you want us to do? Like, in the area, what was the thing you want, the problem you want us to solve? And so we set up a food collection point on Hackney Road uh, Co op. We'd pick up food donations and we'd take them to local food bank. And it was whilst doing that, at the sort of uh, the light bulb moment or the divine moment of inspiration, as we're at church, <laughs> uh, which was, why isn't there an online food bank? An easy way for me to give food to those that need it. And if you look, you know, everyone watching at home, you're obviously watching it on Zoom, your laptop or your phone. Think about all the technology we all use every day. So, you, you know, I, in the music industry, I observed it go from CD to Spotify, then I worked in film and TV, so DVD to Netflix. And I'm just sitting there going, to quote, to quote Pete himself, what is in my hands, right? I've got all this experience of seeing this industry completely change. Yeah, I see a dysfunctional, antiquated supply chain. And I believe that we can bring around uh, redemptive business by what we're doing. 
It's incredible. And just and share some of the journey because, again, you'd established it and it was beginning to grow. And then suddenly lockdown came, food poverty kicked off and the business, I mean, exploded, right? The growth was quite hard to keep. Yeah, yeah. It's been a remarkable journey, which I'm still processing in all honesty. So in March, in uh, July 2019, we were on our first pilot here in London. We were trying to ascertain switching ratios. Can we get people from stopping donating in a basket to can we get them uh, to donate online? So by the end of that year, we had 10 food banks on the platform. We had seen 15,000 zero waste items donated. So that is every item that the food banks asked for specifically. And that's enough food to feed about 500 people. Eight months later, COVID hits in. So the February to March period, I will never, ever forget. <laughs> okay, so uh, donations via our platform went up by over 5,000% month to month. I was actually away on our pattern retreat uh, in, in Exmouth. So we'd gone away to like, like, guys, what are we doing for the next year, processing the last year? And I'm sitting there with like, emails coming in more than once a minute, right? Sky News email us going, can someone from Banquet come and talk to us? I didn't read the email to the afternoon. And my PR friends are like, Robin, we spent all our time trying to get to Sky News, but you haven't even bothered to like, reply to them. Pattern comes first. It's a, it's a principle of KXE. Well, you know, the discipleship group, it comes first. It does. On. No, it, do it really does. So I'm just going to put that in. I mentioned your book in a minute, don't worry. Um, um, so, yeah, so it's like from March to July... It's unbelievable. And then, you know, I, I was, when you asked me to, to, to um, speak today, I was like, okay, this is like, what do we think about God's timing? We know it's absolutely perfect, right? So there's some of the stuff you've talked about there. So about when you start on this journey, you're like, right, am I completely mad? A little bit, a bit. Am I good enough to do this? It's going to be really hard. What if it goes wrong? What will I look like? So in the space of eight months, it went from like, I'm stepping out walking around Victoria Park, praying about this idea, to suddenly, boom, right? So the end of uh, 2020, had 100 food banks on the platform. By the end of last year, that's doubled to uh, 200. We've seen nearly two million pounds donated via the platform. Uh, there are now more food banks in the UK than McDonald's. Wow. Food poverty <laughs> is uh, higher than, food poverty is higher than it's ever been more people need to use food banks than ever before. So it's been this sort of beautiful journey of like yeah. making this happen. So. Just find final question, then we'll, we'll land. In terms of what is this required of you in terms of faith, dependence on God? Because we've seen the journey. It's, you know, you're fantastic, but you've not done this in, in your own strength. Just name briefly the faith journey. Um, the whole banquet thing is just one faith journey after another, right? And so that early breakfast of, you know, career being a little frustrating, having had almost like a brilliant CV of all these things, but wondering where uh, God was calling me to. And on this journey, it's made me understand that calling, I suppose, some of the stuff you've articulated this morning. You know, I felt like called to this idea. I just couldn't get it out of my mind. It was like, okay, I do feel called to like go and sit on the park and the bench for five minutes. You probably laugh at what you talked about it. The moment trying to stop my brain for a minute just to sit with God. Um, God's provision, timing, everything that's happened has just been remarkable. There are too many things to say. The people that he's put around this idea to support me, many from this community have volunteered and helped us, including you, uh, in, in the lockdowns. You know, it's just been a remarkable journey. And all of the things that 
me personally, it's redeemed, you know, of like my own securities, I'm too old to be an entrepreneur, all of these things. It's just sort of one thing after another. It's been a remarkable time. Amazing. Just before we pray over the room, um, l- let me close with just like one minute of like how, how can we engage? Because I know what happens when we share stories is inspiration levels rise, but a lot of people just clock out and be like, that would never be me. But what if this is something for all of us? What if we're all creatives? Um, So here's the good news that we're hardwired for creativity. Our dad is an artist. Um, We're made in the image and likeness of a creator God. So it's in the DNA. Number two, the mission of Jesus is to recreate the world, restore and redeem the world. And we're invited into that mission. That mission is about recreation, the recreation of all things. And the spirit that hovered over the waters right now is coursing through our veins. The spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the grave is coursing through our veins. We are hardwired for creativity. Picasso said, we're all born artists. The challenge is to remain an artist. What if the church has discipled people out of creativity? And what if this is a moment to wake up and say, look, this is actually what we're wired for. So we are hardwired for creativities. Um, the bad news is creativities has obstacles. We've heard some of them. Number one, busyness. So here's my very simple encouragement. Slow down. If you're operating in London at breaknate's next speed. <laughs> there we go. Got there eventually. I was operating at breakneck speed. Um, then it's hard to be super creative. So these are kind of like, this is neuroscience now. So you've got beta waves. That's when we're thinking fast, operating at pace. Then you've got alpha waves, which is you're very relaxed. You're on almost that meditative space. You mentioned contemplation. And then you've got the theta waves when you're drifting into sleep. They say, neuroscientists say, alpha waves are the gateway to creativity. In other words, slow down. If you want to be creative, slow down. Um, Second obstacle, self-obsession, the fear of failure. Um, And and this is my invitation, just receive the love of the Father. The Father says over you, my son, my daughter, whom I love with you, I'm well pleased. If you find your identity there, perfect love drives out fear. You don't need to fear failure. You don't need to be turned inwards, self-obsession. You can turn outwards and upwards because you're marked out by the love of the Father. So turn outwards. Obstacle number three, apathy. Um, It's time to wake up. So many people in London operate with this apathetic mindset of I can't really be bothered. But the need is great right now. Food poverty, talking about fashion, there are needs everywhere we look. It is time for the people of God to wake up. We can't operate by apathy. We need to wake up. Um, So why don't we stand?